needing any help walking up these steps, I'd just like to hold his hand. You may be seated. I said this morning, and I'll not repeat it, because your pastor has a certain size hat, and if I repeat it twice, you're going to have such a big head, you're going to have to buy a new hat, so I don't want that expense. But I love everything about this church. This is a model church. The multitudes of children. I'm grateful that you're going to build a new building. I am very thankful. It shows that you still believe in a God, precious God that loves you. And all of these children, I'm looking at all these children. My goodness, you're growing a church. And some of you are not even satisfied with bringing one in. You're bringing them in by the doubles. Two at a time. I saw several groups of twins up here this morning. They, or they, they look, sure they look alike. I love your pastor because he likes tradition. Now, he said that Saturday night. He said that this morning. He's a man of tradition. I like that because a few years ago, ben, uh, uh, Sam Hinn asked me to preach for him. I got to the church at 7 o'clock in the morning, walked on the parking lot praying. First service started at 8 from 8 till 10. Second service was 10 till 12. Third service was 12 till 2. I love tradition, so if I kind of get beside myself today and go a little bit longer, I'm copying what your pastor says. Tradition is important. I love God. But even more than that, God loves me. Amen. God, I can't even measure the love that God has for me. My favorite meat in all the world is duck. I love duck. I like the taste of duck. My wife always asked me, she said, will you ask God for something for me? He gives you everything you ask for. And he gives me a lot of things I don't ask for. So I had no idea on our way down here, I got a text from one of my favorite pastors in all the world. Said, I got you some ducks. Well, good, that made my day. I didn't mind the rest of the trip. So we come down here, and, and yesterday we go to this little barbecue place to eat, and there's some big old husky guy just come in from the shooting ducks. We're talking, and I'm pretty good at conning, you know. I, I'm, I learned that from those television preachers. And so somehow they figured out that I wanted some of those ducks they killed. It was out there in their truck. They said, you want some ducks? I said, I absolutely do. I didn't think they'd ever take the hint, but they finally caught it. I said, I do. Okay. Well, how many do you want? I want them all. <laughs> You have not because you ask not. That's the word of God. 
so not only did God give me some wonderful ducks from your pastor and his sidekick, but he also gave me some from strangers I didn't even know. That's my God. That's like Ruth when she's gleaning in the field. And every once in a while, there'd be a little handful on purpose, the old traditional Bible said, handfuls on purpose left for her. I love those handfuls on purpose. This morning I got, uh, yesterday I got several handfuls on purpose. Anyway, it's good to be with you. Thank you for all the years that you've supported Mexico Ministries. It blows my mind how good God is to Mexico. I'll tell you a little bit more about my life later. God being my witness. God forbid that I lie. God forbid that I lie. But it's an amazing thing what God did from one uneducated, ignorant boy raised in the swamps of South Louisiana. He called me and sent me to Mexico. I was so ignorant, I didn't know anything about medicine. My appendix burst. I was in the military. They took me to the hospital. A little bit later on, whenever they had taken care of that appendix, they brought me by a little tray of medicine. And I'm thinking, how dumb and stupid. I tried to open that little capsule, and you couldn't unscrew it. You couldn't eat. And I thought, my goodness. So I broke it open into powder. And I, oh, my, I didn't know you were supposed to swallow the whole thing. Now, when God can take someone that far back in the sticks and do what he has done, he is an amazing God, amazing God. I'm going to help you this morning. I love this congregation. Don't tell Saturday night. I like Saturday night. Don't tell that first congregation. I like that first. I love this congregation. <laughs> You're so easy to preach to. And I'm looking forward to, like I said, tradition today. So take your watch off, put it in your pocket. Relax and let's have a good time. Open your Bibles today to the book of Deuteronomy. I'm going to help you if you will let me. I am going to give you something that will help you if you'll open your heart and your mind and receive it. God has something for you today. And I'm not one of those people that just speaks things randomly. God has something for you today. If you'll open your heart, open your mind, and receive the word of God. I'm going to be speaking <clears throat> on courage, strength, and being unafraid. Let me give you a little background of where we're going to be where we're coming from. 
<clears throat> in the beginning, before there was an ever in Israel, God called Abraham. And he said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a people that you can't even number. I'm going to bless all of those who bless you. I'm going to curse all those who curse you. You're going to be the father of a great nation. It's going to be a very important bloodline. It would lead all the way to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Abraham leaves his country, his, his hometown. And then I, I will go a little bit fast because Abraham had a son, Isaac. Isaac had a son, Jacob. Jacob had a son, Joseph. But they all wound up down in Egypt for several hundred years. Egypt gave them the finest place in all of Egypt for them to live when they first came in. But it wasn't too many generations later until Egypt was fearful of them, really, because they, God blessed them and they grew and they became a powerful army within the country of Egypt. And so they began, Egypt began to put, made, literally made slaves out of them, tormented them, made them work without pay. And finally, their cry came up to God. And God said, I hear it. And he sent Moses down there to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Now, I'm sharing that with you because later on, you cannot say you didn't know the story. You know the story now. And so Moses leads them out of Egypt, and he leads them to the Jordan River. Got to tell you a little bit about the Jordan River. On one side was the promised land. On the other side was the wilderness. So Moses leads them right up to the Jordan River. And he sends some men over to see the situation across the river, 12 of them. Ten of them came back with a wonderful report saying, uh, a bad report, saying they're too big, they're too strong, we, we can't do it. Two of them came back with a wonderful report, said we're more than able. I'm talking about your God now. So they, because of fear, and, and two, they blamed it on their children. God, they, 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 we're not going to go in because of our children. What would happen to our children? They would get over there and they would be kids and they blamed it on their children. Never use your child as an excuse for you not serving God. I was on my tractor a few weeks ago. My wife's nephew comes up. He's a policeman in Sherman. Has a little boy. Named it after me. I like that part of him. And so I said, How are you in church? No, no. He said, uh, well, I have the boy, you know. And, and I said, well, look, God can solution that problem in a minute. If that little boy is standing between you and God, it would be easy for God just to remove that little boy. Oh, no, 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 no. But that's what happened to Israel. We're not going to go in there because of our kids. They would suffer. They would die. And so they chose to remain in the wilderness 40 years until that entire generation died off. And then they come right back 
to the same Jordan River that separated the promised land from the wilderness. Forty years wandering in the wilderness. Now they're on the banks of the Jordan River. This is what the word says. Chapter 31, verse 1. So Moses spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I am no longer able to come and go. And the Lord said to me, you shall not cross this Jordan River. I kind of feel like I know how he felt at 120 years of age. But he said, verse 3, it is the Lord your God who will cross ahead of you. In verse 6, be strong and courageous and do not tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you. I said I had something good to tell you. He will not fail you or forsake you. That's precious. That is powerful. The word of God, the commitment of God, unquestionable commitment of God. He said, be strong, courageous, and unafraid. You get yourself into that Jordan, you cross it. I'm going to be with you, and I'm not going to leave you, and I'm not going to forsake you. What a, a precious commitment that he made to Israel and to Joshua. I, I'm not going to preach this unless this thing goes on into about a three-week revival, but your commitment should have some strength to it. It's so easy to us, us to make promises, make vows. And it's so easy for us to break them. Begin in Washington with the politicians and end up with the televangelist that's trying to get your last dollar. You understand me? If you are made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, Every commitment he's made, he's kept. So why do you break yours? I'm grateful you're going to build that church. Why is not our word, why does it not mean something? So easy to, make, to break that, that commitment. God never once broke his commitment to any one of you here. He never will break his commitment to you. He is the God that made the commitment, and he will stand by his word. Now, we're at the Jordan River. And you're gonna, you, I'm sure numbers of you are, are standing on the banks of, the, of your Jordan River. A lot of, lot of problems, situations. And decisions to be made. That's your Jordan River. Do I go in debt and buy another automobile or not? Do I build a bigger house or not? Do I do this? Do I do that? You're at, you're at a decision point right there. You don't know what to do. That's your Jordan River. Young people wanting to get married. 
That's your Jordan River. I said this morning you had a ditch out here, the Red River, the little ditch. Well, this is the Jordan River wider than the Mississippi River, that decision of whether to marry or not to marry. You better make your decision and your commitment and stick with it because God never broke his word to you. Before you crossed your Jordan, before you step into that Jordan, before you head for the other side of the Jordan in whatever your, your Jordan is, three things I want to mention to you. One, know who you are and know your ability. I made a commitment to Mary Lou Ross. 60 plus years ago, I said, I'll make you a good husband if you make me a good living. No. <laughs> but, th but that's not a bad idea. But I asked her father for her hand, and I made a commitment to her in sickness and in, and in uh, 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 health and in riches and poor. I made a commitment to Mary Lou, and at the same time, I made a commitment to God to be the head of this house. I've kept my commitment. Sixty-plus years, I kept my commitment. Know who you are before you ever cross that Jordan River. Know who you are and your ability. You don't say it might work two or three months, it might work a year or two. No. You make a commitment, and you stand by your commitment. Secondly, know who God is and God's ability. You see, we're not putting it all on your shoulders because there's a God that said, I will go with you, I will not forsake you, I will not leave you, I will be with you. So cross your Jordan River if you know God. If you do not know God, now we may have an altar service at the end of this church service today. If you do not know God, I would stay on the dry side of the Jordan River. I don't think I could make it without God. I know I could not make it without God. Know who you are and your ability and know who God is and his ability. Now, the third thing I want to tell you, know that storms will come. Difficulties are going to come. I, I would like to be able to, to believe everything I hear on TV from evangelists. Be wonderful. I would never have another need. I would say to the pastor after a while, ah, keep your offering. I don't need it. I'm a wealthy man. I have a friend whose name is Paul Pogue. He's a businessman. He has a lot of people working for him, hundreds of people. So one day, one of his superintendents came in, threw his check on the table, sat on the desk and said, Paul, I won't need this anymore. Paul said, what, what's the matter? Is something going wrong? What's happening? 
what, what, what do you mean? I just won, won the lottery in Sherman, Texas for $26 million. But you see, I'm not there. I didn't win any lottery. And a lot of that stuff they're feeding you over TV has to get your money. You will have problems in life. That's the word of God. You will have difficulties. That's the word of God. So when you cross your Jordan, don't expect it to be a bed of roses forever and everything that you desire in life is going to be met. There will be storms. There will be heartaches. There will be trouble. Difficult times. Let me go to the Bible and give you an example from the Bible. David, little teenage boy. I bet David could not hit a duck in the air with a Gatling gun. But I bet you he'd come close to it with a sling. David was just a young teenage boy, and he took food out to his brothers who were in war with the Philistines. Goliath was on the side of a hill boasting about who he was, ridiculing God and, he, and Israel. And it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks. He said, give me a man. In fact, when David finally decided to fight him, he said, you, you sent a kid up here. I, I'm going to feed his flesh to the birds, what Goliath said. So David goes and he talks to Saul, king. And he said, David said to Saul, don't worry. I will go. No, I, no one else will accept the challenge. I will kill this giant. But you can't, you're a kid. Never, listen to this, you write it down, never allow anyone to define your ability. Never. I had so many people say you can't do it. I had my parents say you can't do it. My entire denomination backed away from me. I was a black sheep. I was a black ball there. You can't do it. It's impossible. But I did it because I know who I am. I didn't mind suffering. I didn't mind being hungry. I didn't mind anything. I know who I am, and I know who my Lord is. And together, we did it. Because David said to Saul, look, I was watching the sheep one day, and some animals came up and took a lamb. I just waded right into the battle. I got my lamb back. They rose up against me. I caught them by the beard, and I just ripped them apart. He knew his ability, but he knew God's ability because in the same portion of Scripture, he said God gave him the ability to kill the lion and the bear. So he said to King Saul, don't worry about it. I've got it. And you know the rest of that story. He comes down from that mountain with that hairy, long-haired man, giant of a man's head slung over his shoulder, walked right on down 
because he knew who he was and he knew who God was. Never let anybody tell you what you can and can't do. You know who you are, and I pray to God you know who God is. Let's go on a little bit further. Never give in to your struggles. Never. You said, I told you you would have trouble, and I promise you, you will. But never, never quit fighting. As long as there's a breath in your body, you hold on to the word of God and to the promise of the almighty God. You don't give up at all. I want real men to go with me to the mission field. I don't want people to tuck tail and run at the first little, little problem that comes along. Give me real men and real women who know the word of God, who knows the ability of God, and together we can do mighty things. Never give in to your struggles. One of my favorite all-time prophets was Elijah. I might ought to say is Elijah because I never even read about him dying. Elijah was my man, my hero. Powerful man who knew his ability. He knew who he was. He challenged all of Ahab and, his, his, and the prophets of Baal. He stopped the rain. This is what Elijah said. There will not be dew or rain until I say so. That's a pretty confident man, wasn't he? Pretty confident in his ability. And he's pretty confident in the ability of God to honor what he was saying. He goes up on a mountain, builds an altar, invites all of the prophets of Baal to be with him. Said, I give you first time, first, first shot at it. Whoever answers by fire, let him be God. If you call fire down from heaven, we'll all worship him, your God. If you can't, and I can, our Lord's going to be our God. And so the prophets of Baal for all afternoon, all morning into the afternoon, they sang, they danced, they, they, they screamed, they cut themselves, blood running everywhere. But there was no God to honor their prayers. Elijah, my hero, walks up there, rebuilds the altar, kills the fatted calf that they're going to use as a sacrifice, lays him on the, on the wood. Then he said, I want you guys to soak this. Bring your water. And they poured water everywhere. Now, remember Sammy Hinn. Three times, six hours, so I've got a little time left. And so he said, do it again the second time. They did it. Do it again the third time. That's a man that had confidence in who he was and confidence in who God was. How many of us could do that? And then he said to God, 
send a fire. And the fire fell, lapped up everything, sacrifice, altar, water, everything. Here's a man that knew himself and knew who God was. So he goes down the mountain. And there's a little skinny, frail Jezebel. Then that name really reek chills in your back, a Jezebel. I pray to God there's no Jezebels here. I pray to God there's not. And so she says, if by tomorrow afternoon your life is not like one of those dead prophets, the Lord do to me whatever he wants. I'm going to kill you. I am going to destroy you. Your life is not worth salt. And this great man who knew himself and knew God tucked tail and ran, and ran like a scared dog. Ran to a, a little Jupiter tree and sat under that tree and wished to die. This powerful man cowered in the face of his storm. But I said that God can turn it all around in such a short period of time. Now think about it. One day he's wishing to die. The next day he's crossing the Jordan River, the same river that we've been talking about. He crosses that and he's got his friend with him, Elisha. Now they're walking along. I love this. And all of a sudden, God sends an Uber. You understand? A taxi cab out of heaven to pick up one passenger. Chariot of fire, horses of fire, sweep down, make a circle or two around Elijah, and he's up in heaven. Don't send any flowers. He never did die. Years and years later, he's seen with Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration, talking with Jesus. He's still much alive. So don't cower when your storms come. Do not give in to your storms. You struggle with every ounce that you have within you, and you depend upon the Word of God. Now, I will go on a little bit further. In fact, get Benny, uh, Sammy Hinn. I'm going to let you out on time. 1978, I had a beautiful church in Denison. Built it myself. Loved the church. Never had an interest in, didn't even like Mexicans. God forgive me. I love them now. When God called me, my Jordan River on the Mexico side is called Rio Bravo. I believe that's the correct name. That's what John Wayne called it, Rio Bravo. We call it the Rio Grande on this side of the river. I crossed my Jordan River not knowing Spanish, not having one single person standing with me. Totally alone. My wife didn't even stand with me. 
She had no idea what I was, why I did what I did. None. My parents, her parents, no one. I was totally alone. But I had somebody with me. His name, Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Cross it, strong, courageous, and unafraid, I crossed the Rio Grande. And now from Belize border to the Texas border, we have touched all of that area with hundreds of congregations. From the Gulf of Mexico to the Pacific Ocean, we have touched many, many, many people. Hospitals, clinics, doctors, dentists, free medicine for whosoever will, let them come. Strong, courageous, and unafraid because I know who I am. I know my abilities. I don't mind hurting. I don't mind being hungry. I know who I am. But more than that, I know who my God is, and I know his abilities. Now, give me about another 30 minutes, I'll close. Pastor, I promise it, you will forget it by the, this time next year when you call me. Get over it. But I crossed another river this year a few months ago. It's called Papa Luapin in Oaxaca, Mexico. Crossed over and I saw a hill. And God spoke to me. And I made a promise. I will build a major headquarters on that hill. That'll make your toenails curl. 80 years old. 80 years old. And I said, Lord, I'm going to build these people another church, dormitories, clinics, whatever you want, because I know who I am, and I know who my God is. I'm talking to somebody. Will you stand? I'm talking to somebody here. You are standing at the point of decision to be made. Go back into the wilderness if you want to just struggle the rest of your life or cross your Jordan with the hand of God with you. He made a commitment to you. He made a commitment to Israel. He made a commitment to Joshua. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I close with this. God made a commitment to me. Go ye into all the world and make disciples of all nations. I've done my part. God, can you hear me? I expect you to do your part. He said, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of time. Pastor, come. Somebody here is facing decisions to be made. Somebody here is, a, is afraid. Somebody here is indecisive. I pray to God this message and the words that Pastor will follow with will be the deciding moment of your life. The Jordan River is a real place. In the New Testament, John the Baptist baptized in it. But as he's looked at it today from the Old Testament, it represented the barrier between the wilderness journey and the promised land. And I want you to imagine yourself as Joshua, 
Joshua was Moses' successor. Moses brought people right to the edge, but yet Joshua was the one that would take them over into their promised land. Well, obviously, the parallels are rich to us today. All of us have things in life. Maybe it's a desire to go to college, and how am I going to get the money? Maybe it's like Pastor Travis, a young man in his early 30s and has issues with his kidneys. If he doesn't have a kidney transplant, his life is limited. I mean, no, that's a major, major thing. All of us have Jordan Rivers in life. I, uh, several years ago, uh, I turned 60. He's 80. You look pretty good, though, for being 80. First, first compliment, God's working. I look pretty fair at 60. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I didn't say anything. <laughs> A few years ago, I, when our churches began to grow and, and our, our needs of space became obvious, I thought, do I really want to do this? Because I knew it would take a couple years to raise money, a couple years to build. But your life inspired me. You know, there's an American mentality is, well, you get 65 and you retire and you play golf, and there's nothing wrong with golf. But the best years of your life, don't stop living for God. Don't stop serving God, and don't stop doing something that's going to make a difference with your life. Because how I many know there's only one thing you can bring to heaven? I cannot bring my trophies. I cannot bring my material possessions. But in his life, for example, we send several teams down every year, and they go, they minister to the people in these mountains. First time I went with you to the mountains of, not the first, yeah, I guess it was the first time. Went with you to the mountains of Mexico. Uh, at that time, Zapatistas were, were, were involved in a battle, and they were an airplane dropping bombs across the mountainside. And, and uh, he, he stopped at a four-way stop and said, this is where uh, uh, they killed a pastor here. And I'm thinking, I don't know what I got into. But they would go to these Chamuli Indians in the mountains of southern Mexico that had never heard the Christian message before. And when a person would come to Christ, literally the whole village would come to Christ. And they'd build one of these little church buildings because Pastor Larry rarely goes to the up-and-outers. He's always gone to the down-and-outers. He's always gone to the poor, to the people with the cleft palate that didn't have a hope for an operation and found a, a way for them to get an operation. And I say these things not to exalt him, but the fact is God wants to do something through all of our lives that's bigger than us. He wants your life and my life to make a difference. But maybe there's something stopping you right now. Maybe there's a Jordan River. Maybe it's a challenge, maybe it's a fear, maybe it's a financial issue, maybe it's, a, maybe it's on the inside, just an issue of being selfish, and I don't know if I want to make the sacrifice to go, but I'd like to ask him to pray for us today, and if you're here today and say, Pastor, I've got a Jordan River in my life right now, and I know it's standing between me and where God wants me to be, but I want to make a statement today to the Lord, I want to make a step forward, just like Joseph and the priests had to step into that river at flood stage, and they stepped into it, and God parted the rivers. But if that's you today, and you say, Pastor, I want to make that commitment to the Lord, because I don't want my Jordan to stop me, I want to go on into God's perfect destiny for my life, I want to invite you to just come around the front right now, we'd like to pray for you. Just slip out of your chair right now, we'd like to pray for you today. We're going to sing one last song and dismiss today. But if you have a, a Jordan River in your life, something standing between you and where God wants you to be, but you want to step out of that and go forwards, you're going to come and we're going to pray for you. Pastor Larry, why don't you pray for our friends today? Our Father, you see the hearts of each person that's making their way 
down the aisles of this church. They've heard your word. They believe your word, Father. They do not want to go on without the assurance that you're going to be with them. So, Father, we stand by the side of that Jordan River, whatever it is today. And we ask you, Father, give us the courage, the strength to be unafraid. And we will cross our Jordan knowing that there will be storms, knowing that there will be storms, but knowing that you promise to be with us through every storm and every trial that comes our way. I commit these people to you, my Father, as Moses committed his people to you. I commit them to you, Father. And I say, take them by the hand, Lord. Lead them across whatever their Jordan may be. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Walk with them. Be with them. Be their God. They will be your children. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, give me a big hand. Say thank you for coming down and being with us this year. We love you.